Here we are again, another podcast, another week. We're nearing the end of uh, the week of April 15th. That's the Friday. Today's the 14th. I'm recording this on Thursday. And we're back for another review in fitness tech wearables. What happened this week? Not just wearables. I talk about everything here where it's either endurance sports, what I've been up to, what released this week, what firmware updates came out, what I'm working on on YouTube, all the things. Uh, I'm your host, Dave. And if you enjoy this kind of content, go check out the YouTube channel, which is probably where you came from if you're listening to this right now. But do it anyways, because it's, uh, it's a lot of fun over there. Okay, so episode three, Week in Tech Review. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a few random items I've pulled from the news, but they're all pretty hot topics, and it's a little bit of everything today. Before we get into that, I do want to thank the Patreon members uh, from YouTube and from the YouTube members as well. They help support the channel and this podcast. It really means a lot to me. And if you feel like supporting this podcast, go check out the link in the show notes down below. Also, uh, a big noteworthy thing happened over on the YouTube channel. We hit 10 million views. (laughs) is crazy to think about 10 million 10 million eyeballs well i guess 20 million eyeballs because everyone has two uh have viewed some kind of content on the chase to summit youtube channel whether that be a vlog or a, a review or uh whatever so 10 million people really really incredible stuff so i appreciate that thank you for following along uh i also wanted to just mention that if you have any ideas for the podcast for the show what i'm doing here Make sure to uh, head over to my Instagram account, which is linked in the, the show notes of this episode, and uh, hit me up and give me some ideas on, on who you'd like to see as a guest or listen to, uh, what topics I should cover. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, I've had a few people reach out so far, and it's it's pretty cool to engage with you and know that there's somebody listening on the other end of this microphone. So <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, so we've got Easter approaching here in... Uh, New England. I don't know where you're from, but we've got Easter here. I think everybody does. I don't really know. Uh, I'm not like, you know, overly religious or or anything, but my family and I, we do celebrate Easter. We do, uh, we do an egg hunt with the kids and it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but that also means one other thing is coming up and that is on Monday, the 18th, we've got the Boston marathon. And if you don't know, I'm from Massachusetts myself. Boston's only about 30 minutes from where I live. So pretty exciting. Everyone gets very excited about the Boston Marathon around here. A lot of visitors from out of town, a lot of hype, a lot of stoke. And it's an uh, it's exciting time of year. Right now, the weather looks okay, I think, uh, in the, for the Boston Marathon. So the runners should have a pretty good day out there. And I've actually been considering popping by and hanging around the Boston Marathon Expo, which is like where all the big brands kind of hang out and show off their latest and greatest stuff. There'll be a booth for Koros and Garmin, and I think all the major brands will be there along with a lot of footwear brands like uh, New Balance and everybody else. So um, I've been considering trying to find the time to go and hang out there. Uh, I'm not really sure if it's worth the while. (laughs) It could be cool. It could not be cool. I also want to try to make my way to the finish line area to see if I could try to cheer in some runners. I'm obviously not running and I'm not fast enough to qualify, but I do have a couple of friends running, so it'd be cool to cheer them on. Okay, with all that jabber out of the way, I'm really getting into the uh, podcast bantering at the beginning of these things. We've got some news on the table here. First up, and probably the most exciting thing that happened during the week was 
The Polar Pacer and Pacer Pro were released yesterday on Wednesday, the 13th of April. And uh, I have a, a whole video about this up on YouTube that's like 22 minutes long. So if you want the full in-depth review on that, check out the show notes for that and I'll link you over there. Um, I'll give you the, the kind of long and short of it here in the podcast. Basically, these are two new devices from Polar and they're aimed specifically at runners so it could be any runner, trail runner, ultra runner, um, you know, road runner. And there's a lot of great features here. So the Pacer Pro does have running power from the wrist. It's got, um, it's got some navigation features, you know, breadcrumb mapping. It's got a 1.2 inch transflective display, decent battery life with up to 35 hours in GPS mode. We get 100 hours in power save mode and seven days in standby mode, which isn't amazing on that seven day part, but it is what it is. Now, the more expensive one is the Pacer Pro, and that'll come in at $299. But um, the important thing to note there is that at $299, it's one of the more compelling options when it comes to triathlon or multi-sport watches, because at that price point, there's not much out there, except for Polar's other watch, which is the Polar Vantage M2, which I think they actually just killed with the release of the Pacer Pro. Actually, I, I feel like they killed a lot with the Pacer Pro, but uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, the other device that came out is a cheaper version of the Pacer. They, that's just called the Polar Pacer. And this name, actually, I didn't know this, but uh, Ray over at DC Rainmaker uh, mentioned this in his video. The Polar Pacer is actually a device that came out like over a decade ago uh, from Polar. It's one of their very early running watches. Uh, you know, designed for running, for keeping your pace on your wrist. And it's funny because from my perspective, I thought the Pacer was kind of a ripoff of what Koros has done with the Polar or Koros Pace 2, but it's not that case. They already own that name, so I'll give them credit for that. And maybe Koros is the one that stole the name for the Pace 2. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I digress. The, the cheaper Polar Pacer is a $200 watch, which is a lot more um, you know, appealing for a lot of people, especially at that price point. There's not a lot out there, like good stuff at 200 bucks. You basically got the Garmin 455, the Coros Pace 2, and now this Polar Pacer. I'd say those are the top three $200 watches out there that are worth your while. There's a lot of junk out there. I feel like the Fitbit offerings that in that sub $200 price point are kind of meh. I've had mixed GPS and heart rate accuracy with those. So these three are pretty promising and out of the bunch, I feel like I like the Coros Pace 2 the most, but I also haven't had my hands on the the new Polar Pacer. They only sent me the, the more expensive, expensive version in the Pacer Pro. Man, I just said the word Pace a lot, so forgive me for that. How about you drink every time I say pacer or pace. You guys will be drunk in like 10 minutes. I can't do that because it's actually the morning for me right now. <laughs> Anyways, uh, pretty exciting announcements from Polar. There's a lot of offerings here. I mean, I like these new watches. I just feel like they're kind of in an uphill battle when it comes to the landscape of what's out there right now. Like if you're just looking for a running watch, I feel like there's better options because like the Coros Pace 2, for instance, gets better standby battery life up to 20 days. These new offerings from Polar only go for seven days, but there are some benefits like their heart rate sensor is actually pretty good in my testing so far. Pretty solid. Um, the ecosystem's well polished. The app is really good. The sleep tracking's really good. And they have like, you know, a smart um, 
coaching application where you can, you know, import a 5k uh, run workout and, and follow that to achieve your goals. So there's a lot of opportunity here with the Polar Pacer and Pacer Pro. I just feel like they've dived into a pool that's already so crowded at these price points that it's going to be hard for them to compete, but they are really good. I feel like if these came out like three years ago, it'd be a much different conversation where I'd be like, wow, these are a great value where today they are a great value. There's just so much else out there, like the Garmin 455, the 245 and the Pace 2. So it's a it's a tough challenge, but we'll see how these sell. Uh, I'm interested to see who picks these up. And yeah, I mean, I don't have complaints about them. A couple of complaints, but you'll see that in my YouTube video here. I'll just say they're pretty good. Just not um, they're pretty good, but they're going to have a struggle in the current market. OK, next up on today on this week's news, uh, another new release from Sunto is the Sunto 9 Peak full titanium. Now, this is basically a super premium version of the Sunto 9 Peak. Uh, the Sunto 9 Peak comes in at, I think, $499, $599 price range, where this new version is $1099. That's a lot of money for a Sunto 9 Peak. So for $1,100, you get a, a Sunto 9 Peak. There's no difference in the guts of the watch itself, but the whole case is made out of titanium, and it comes with a titanium bracelet in the box, which is really fancy looking. I'm not big on titanium bracelets because I see these sports watches as what they are. They're made for, you know, tracking your activities and wellness tracking and, and going out on a run. It's not really for going to dinner with your uh, boss. So I don't really do the, the bracelet thing. I get that I'm a sample of one and there's a lot of people out there that are into it. Personally, I think this uh, Sunto 9 Peak full titanium version is like crazy expensive and I can't... I don't know. In my brain, for what I paid for the Sunto 9 Peak that I own right now, it was a tough sell for me because I didn't I wasn't totally in love with the watch. And you'll find out that in my review if you watch it. Uh, it's a good watch. But again, just like on that Polar Pacer uh, conversation, there's a lot of competition out there at these price points. So the Sunto 9 Peak had a tough go of when it first came out. Um, so this $1,100 Sunto 9 Peak, it's titanium. It's lightweight. It's cool if you're into the Sunto ecosystem. For me, it's probably a pass, but it is what it is. I haven't tried one yet. I'm trying to get one, um, you know, as a loaner unit just to test out and maybe do an unboxing on the channel. But so far, they haven't responded to my emails, which I'm not surprised about because I haven't said a whole lot of favorable things in the past. <laughs> but it would be cool if they would answer my emails. And if you're listening, Sunto, I apologize. And hopefully you can uh, respond to my emails. That'd be great. Okay, next up, we've got some new products from Beats, but don't get too excited. These are just new product variations from Beats. We've got the Beats Studio Buds, which they came out like a year ago, and they sent them to me to review. I like them. They're great little earbuds, great for like, um, you know, commuting or just like working out in the gym and running and stuff. Good good overall earbuds for the price point. They come in at, a, at $149, but you can often find them on sale. Now, the new releases here are literally just new colors that came out on the Beat Studio Buds. When they when they first came out, they were only in black. Now you can get them in like red, blue, white, all these different colors. So I thought it was worth mentioning. I'm not going to elaborate too much on it. So there you go. You get some new Beat Studio Buds. Okay, next up, we've got some news from Strava, which is this is actually pretty exciting. I'm excited for this. 
Strava now has new maps and better routing built into their platform if you use their course builder tool, which was already really good. Like I actually use the course builder more than I like using the Garmin Connect course builder, even though that's really good as well. Uh, the course builder in Strava is just all that much better because uh, you've got like the heat map built into it and it's it's well laid out. It seems very polished. They They did a good job with it. So anyways, the new maps in better routing, they've added 3D maps to the Strava course builder, which is cool. This is something Chorus just did in their app a little while ago. And it seems like these are tied together in some way because I know Chorus and Strava have worked together uh, in the past. I don't know if they work together on this, but now there's a 3D map, which is super cool. So if you plan a trail run up a mountain or something, you can actually see the mountain in like 3D space and your trail going up the mountain, which is just super cool to play with. And they also added points of interest, popular start points and more. So that's really cool as well. Points of interest are like gas stations or like summits of buildings or hotels or lodging, that sort of thing. It's not all points of interest like you'd find on like a Garmin topo map, but it's a lot of things. So in particular, it's things that have to do with the route. So if you have a summit of a mountain or a viewpoint or a camp area, that seems to be added to the map. And then you've got popular start and stop points, which is cool too, because if you're new to an area, you're not familiar with the trails or whatever, you can find where most people are starting their runs. And I feel like that's really valuable data to have because a lot of times some of these trail runs or hikes are accessed in a really weird way. I know personally here in New England, we've got some trail runs that start in like a dead end road of a neighborhood. And if you're new to an area or you're traveling, you may not know that. So having that data on the map is pretty cool as well. Um, this stuff is going to be available. I think it's available now. This email came out like last week, so I think it's available now. So go check out the course builder. Unfortunately, yes, if you are uh, a free member, you won't have access to this. This is only for the paid members of Strava. So that I forget what they call it. The summit summit plus or whatever subscription I pay for. It, it's like eight bucks a month, whatever. I mean, if it gives me any motivation to stay in shape, I'll, I'll pay eight bucks a month. Uh, in either case, it's there, go check it out. And I think this actually poses some potential opportunity moving forward for something like the Apple watch, where you've got a native Strava app on the Apple watch. And if they brought over this mapping from Strava to the Apple Watch in some way and made it available offline so you could like download it to the storage of the watch, that would be crazy cool. And it would actually put some pressure on some of the competition out there, namely being Garmin, who has the market cornered when it comes to wearable maps on your wrist. Um, something like that would be super cool, especially with like points of interest and maybe making it routable and, you know, being able to easily import your roots made in Strava over to the Apple Watch, you know, without syncing or anything like that. That would be awesome. So that's not, they didn't announce anything like that. It's just something I think is potential for the future for something like an Apple Watch or a Google Wear OS device. All right, next up on the docket here is going into Garmin news. And first of all, we've got a rumor, not so much a rumor, but an observation that somebody in a forum on uh, Notebook Check, I think, saw. Uh, there is a placeholder page for a Garmin Foreigner 955 that's been cached by Google. Now, if you don't know what that means, it means a page popped up on Garmin's website. Garmin realized it was an error and then they deleted the page. But 
Google had already cached that data, so it stored it in their servers. So there's like a snapshot of this page in the Google servers. You can actually find it if you Google it yourself. Um, the interesting thing here is there's some details on this cached page. For instance, you can see that the Foreigner 955 is available or going to be available in a solar and non-solar version and potentially with LTE options. That's interesting. I think the presence of that solar version kind of implies that we won't see an OLED version of the 955, which is kind of a bummer because after the Garmin Epics came out, I feel like everybody wanted that OLED screen because it just looks so good. And we were kind of daydreaming on it being on a uh, Foreigner 955 or something like that. Unfortunately, if it's solar, it's very unlikely that's going to be OLED. So take that for what it's worth. Also, this is entirely, this is all rumors and speculation and just something that someone saw on Google. So take this with a grain of salt. I know nothing. I don't have any behind the scenes info. Garmin hasn't told me anything. If they did, I wouldn't tell you. Uh, but just take, if, if I knew something, I probably wouldn't talk about this story. So yeah, this is what I know so far. And this is what Google tells me. It's pretty interesting stuff. I was, uh, yeah, I thought, I think it's strange that there's going to be a solar and non-solar version in potentially no OLED model, because I think that would have been really cool, but it is what it is. Uh, and on top of that, we've got some other Garmin news. Uh, I mentioned this in the past episode that the Garmin Tactic 7 had come out, but I've actually got my hands on one now, which is pretty exciting. Um, my friends over at Play Better actually mailed one over to me to review. I've been wearing it. I've got it on my wrist at this very moment. I've been playing around with it. And to be honest, it's just so much more than I need or or know what to do with. It is a crazy beast of a watch. I'm working on a way to review this, but honestly, the features of this thing just are outside of my wheelhouse. For instance, there's a um, fly activity for literally flying an airplane or a helicopter. I'm not a pilot, so I don't even know how to go what to do with that. There's also like uh, flight data where you can get like local airport weather and, and things like that. And again, I don't know what any of this stuff means. Like top of the page says METAR and then it says uh, wind 299G 17KT. It's just a bunch of gibberish to me. I don't know what any of this means. There's also like, um, what is it? Night, va night vision goggle compatibility and um, there's something called tactical mode and ballistics, and I literally don't know what any of it means. So it's kind of overkill for me. Uh, I think the only reason a guy like me would buy something like this, I would not. But if, if I were interested in this, I think the only appeal from my perspective is really the look of it. It's basically a Garmin Phoenix 7X, but it's got this like flat minimal bezel with a matte black DLC coating, and it just looks super cool. So you kind of feel like you're Rambo with it, <laughs> which is a good feeling for me because I'm far from being Rambo, but I'm also not Rambo. So a $1,300 watch, I forgot to mention it's very expensive, is not something I need. But if you are the market, if you're in the military or law enforcement or a, a pilot or a hunter, this is something you might be interested in. Or if you just, you have lots of money and you think it's super cool and want the best, the most features and maybe you plan on being a pilot or something it might be an option for you for me it's crazy overkill i will have a video on it probably next week um so stay tuned for that okay we are moving into fitbit news now always fun with fitbit last week i talked about them 
burning people's wrists and blowing up on people. And this week, we're going to talk about what they're doing now, which is not blowing up on people. <laughs> uh, t- this week, uh, there's some news coming out from the Fitbit camp that says that they've gotten FDA clearance for passive heart rate rhythm monitoring. Uh, so this comes from The Verge, the, the website. That's the source. And so this feature will periodically check where is heart rate rhythms and alerts and alert them if there's any signs of atrial fibrillation, which is a irregular type of heartbeat that puts people at a higher risk of stroke. Now, apparently Fitbit already had an FDA cleared EKG app uh, for doing other, you know, for checking your heart rate monitoring on the Fitbit Charge 5 and some other devices. But now this can be automatically done in the background and it's FDA cleared. So it's kind of like a medical device at that point. And so that means you can trust it. So pretty cool there. Uh, I guess we'll be seeing this roll out on some firmware updates for supporting hardware. I'm going to assume that's the Charge 5. And I'm also going to assume that you'll have to be paying for their monthly subscription to make use of it. But uh, pretty cool. This runs in the background. You don't need to mess with it. And if you're at high risk of a heart attack or a stroke, the watch will let you know. So that's always good. Another bit of news for in terms of updates comes from Stride. If you don't know what Stride is, it's a little pod that you put on your shoe and it measures running power, which is kind of the measurement of how much effort you're actually exerting during your runs. This is uh, kind of like, you know, imagine you're a light bulb and you're burning brighter. It's the measurement of how much power was consumed while you're burning brighter. Uh, it's pretty cool technology. And if you like do a lot of hill repeats and things like that, you can get some valuable data out of it. Uh, I've played with it quite a bit. I trained with it for a while, but I haven't really used it lately because I've been relying more on like wrist-based power instead. It may not be as accurate, but it's just so much more convenient. Anyway, Stride has announced that there's a new free run mode that's going to be updated to the Stride app on your phone. Now, previously, if you wanted to execute one of their workouts that they have like these pre-canned workouts you can do and you can build like a training plan out of them, If you wanted to do this in the past, you would need an Apple Watch or a Garmin in order to execute the workout. Now they've added the ability to do these workouts directly from your phone with only a stride pod. So you pair the pod to your phone, you start the activity on your phone, you go for your run, and the app on your phone will guide you through the workout in order to achieve your training goal. Pretty cool stuff. And it kind of eliminates the need for a wearable on top of the Stride pod. So it kind of opens up the opportunity for Stride to just sell the pod to people who don't even own a watch. If you're just somebody who runs with your phone and you start up your Strava app or whatever, and you go for a run, you can now make use of the Stride pod with no additional hardware, which is really cool. My concern with this is like, if I'm doing a guided workout that's on my phone, how do I follow it? without looking at my phone. Cause uh, you know, if I'm running, I'm not going to stare at the screen on my phone and be like, Oh, it's time to run faster and then put it back in my pocket and then have to get it back out again. Especially if I'm like really speed training or doing something high effort. So I don't really know how it works. I haven't tried it yet. I, I still need to download it and test it out. I'm hoping there's some sort of audio guidance to it. Like a voice comes in your earbuds and it's like, all right, now bump up your pace to whatever. And you're your power is currently blah, blah, blah. That'd be pretty cool. But as it stands, I, I don't know how how this could be useful if you have to look at your phone the entire time. So I'll, I'll download it and maybe have a follow-up video about how useful it actually is. For now, I am optimistically 
skeptical. Skeptical. Moving on to Samsung news, we've got some news about the next Galaxy Watch 5. These are, again, totally rumors, totally leaks, uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing of substance or concrete here. Take this with a grain of salt. So this comes from uh, Tech Radar, a website that has found some FCC filings and, and regulatory filings for the new Galaxy Watch 5. And apparently it's got a potential launch date of around August. That's their historical time for release. And it makes sense with the upcoming holiday season. Uh, now, the big change here that's been noticed on the regulation filing is that the battery is ridiculously huge. <laughs> so if you look at something like a, a Polar watch or a Garmin, you're looking at typically around a 250 milliamp hour battery in most cases. It, that varies a little bit, but they typically don't go above 300 milliamp hour uh, batteries because it just gets too big for the case of a watch. Now, the regulation filing here shows the Samsung Galaxy Watch 5 to come with a 572 milliamp hour battery. That is a massive battery for a tiny watch. So what does this mean for us, the end users? Well, it could mean really long battery life on a Galaxy Watch, which is really cool. But unfortunately, the downside is that it's likely going to be a massive Galaxy Watch. That could be either good or bad, depending on how you feel about big watches. For me, I don't love them. <laughs> I mean, I can get by with the Tactic 7 I'm wearing on my wrist right now. It's a big, heavy watch, but I make it work. If it's any bigger than that or heavier, it's kind of a non-starter. Like, for instance, that Casio GSW H1000. That's a Google Wear OS device. That thing was like 100, what was that? 103 grams, huge, like 57 millimeters in diameter, pretty thick. I just couldn't do it. I'm a five foot seven guy that weighs like 150 pounds. Those big watches are just way too much for me. So if the Galaxy Watch 5 gets any bigger, I feel like they're going to hurt their market. On the other hand, this could just be one variant. Maybe they have a small model and a big model if you want to get that extra battery life. And in that case, I'd prob probably be on board because you're buying into something and you kind of know what you're getting into with a big watch and maybe you just value battery life over every everything else. Plus, it would be really cool if you could run like a hundred mile ultra with a galaxy watch. <laughs> That'd be really different. Moving on. We've got some news from Insta 360, which is an action camera company. They've re released the new Insta 361 RS, which is a, re a replacement for the Insta 360, uh, one was it the one R. So the one R, uh, was an action camera that released a couple of years ago. I reviewed it on my channel. Pretty cool, it had a like a 5.7K sensor, but the real benefit to it was you could actually take it apart like a set of Legos and kind of swap out parts. So if you wanted a 360 degree action camera, you could pop on a module with two camera lenses. If you just wanted a 4K action camera with good stabilization, you could pop that module on. And if you wanted the big one inch sensor that was like good in low light situations, you could pop that on. So super cool. Um, it had some issues with like the stabilization and had some wonkiness to it, but it seems like they're addressing that with the one RS and I'm going to try to get one to review on the channel. I don't have one yet, but I'm on paper. It's pretty exciting and I'm looking forward to trying it out. So if it's something you want to see on the YouTube channel, maybe shoot me an Instagram DM and, and let me know because I'd like to know that. Um, typically the, the view count on those action camera videos isn't crazy high. So like if it's a ton of effort, sometimes I just 
don't do it, but you know, I'm just personally, I'm interested about it, so I might do it anyways. On the other hand, we've got some news coming out of GoPro. They just released the most wacky action camera I've ever seen called GoPro Bones. <laughs> now, this is only an uh, action camera you'll be interested in if you have a drone, and particularly a drone that's like, a, what do they call them, FPV drone. So you're those people that like do backflips and you dive through smokestacks and abandoned buildings and through windows and cars and under cars, that kind of drone flying. They typically, so give me a, let me give you some background on this. I'm not a drone enthusiast. I've got a drone, but I don't really, I'm not, I'm not really in tune with the FPV community. But from what I gathered, historically, what people would do is they would buy a GoPro and then they would gut it. They would take all the plastic off of it, take the camera out, take the printed circuit board out, solder things together, and then like duct tape it to their FPV drone. And the reason they did this was for weight. They wanted to eliminate all of the extra weight possible to get that camera as light as possible to put it on their drone so it wouldn't mess up their like flight characteristics or whatever. So I think GoPro finally caught on that people were doing this and they decided to make it easier for people to just buy this GoPro bones thing, because as it implies, it's literally just the bones of the GoPro. There's a really thin, uh, you know, plastic case to it, and that's really it. There's no room for a battery to go into it. It actually comes with like flying leads that you solder into your uh, drone to power it, and it is super light, and they just cut out all the fat to make it as light as possible for drone people. Inside of all that, the guts, is still basically just a GoPro Hero 10 Black. That's all it is. It's just they eliminated all the other stuff to make it super light. So if you're like a trail runner or a climber or whatever, don't look at the GoPro bones. It's only for drone enthusiasts and not for you. If you're that other person, just buy a GoPro Hero 10 Black because that's still the camera to get. Unless these uh, new Insta360 cameras are like super cool which, you know, stay tuned for the YouTube video on that because it's coming up. Okay, that kind of brings us to the end of this podcast and the week in review of fitness tech, wearables, action cameras, drones. I covered everything. It's not fitness tech anymore. This is just tech and review uh, and things that I actually care about and I'm you know, interested in. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, uh, make sure you go ahead and rate the podcast on your favorite host. You can do ratings on Apple uh, podcast and give me a little blurb on what you like about the podcast. Give me five stars. That'd be great. And make sure you to rate me over on Spotify as well, because I think you can do it there too, or whatever platform you're listening on, I'm trying to grow this podcast and do more with it. It's a lot of fun for me. And, and I've got a little uh, insider scoop here. I've got a guest coming up that I'm really excited about. So make sure to follow the podcast to listen to that episode because I haven't even recorded it yet. I've only got a uh, something on the calendar. So we're going to chat tomorrow. Hopefully we get some good content and it'll be on the podcast soon. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you got some value out of it and kind of got up to date on what's going on in fitness tech this week or just tech in general. Yeah, I think I'm going to stop talking now because I just keep rambling at the end of these episodes. Hope you enjoyed it. I will see you next time. Or you'll, I won't see you, but you'll be able to hear me next time. Okay. Bye.